0: Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. And perhaps you have heard something about the offer made by world-famed author Stephen King and fellow author Don Winslow to contribute $200,000 to St. Jude's Children's Hospitals if White House Press Secretary Stephanie Grisham, no relation to world-famed author John Grisham, as far as I know, if she would merely hold a one-hour press briefing at the White House. But she responded to them, (laughs) to uh, saying the following, if you have $200,000 to play with, why not just help children because it's a good thing to do? End quote. Not too shabby a response, but certainly a dodge. And Stephen King replied, <laughs> or stated, all you have to do is your job. Now, he made it a little more colorful than that. But it is interesting. Going back, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, press secretary, loyal, faithful press secretary for President Donald Trump. I personally was disappointed when I saw that she had taken the position. I did not believe that she should. I did not believe that that was a good thing for her to do. But she did, and she served, contrary to what the detractors have said, she served ably and courageously and very graciously. And this woman, Stephanie Grisham, a lovely woman, outwardly, she was tapped by the president to replace Sarah Huckabee Sanders. And this woman has not held a press conference, a press briefing, a presser, since she has been in office in that position, in that capacity. And it is a wee bit curious. It does beg the question... Why is she press secretary? Why is there such a position if this is how it's going to be conducted and so forth? Now, I have never agreed with presidents delegating all of these communications to some so called talking heads. I've always believed the president should be the one making the communications, not a communications director, not a press secretary. And should not be having a small cadre of speechwriters cranking out verbiage for him to read off of a teleprompter. I've never believed in the president delegating these, what I happen to believe are key duties. But this president has chosen to communicate largely via Twitter tweeting here, tweeting there, tweeting everywhere, as he did back in the campaign for president, as he did back in the campaign for the nomination, and then the campaign, the general election campaign, and ever since he has been the president. And as he continues to do, the tweeter-in-chief, I agree that if he was going to fill this position, this press secretary should be acting in the way that people are accustomed with press secretaries functioning. However, I just disagree with the function altogether. And I would have preferred if he had simply left that position vacant rather than filling it with a person who would then not function in that capacity, but You know, it's his prerogative to do what he will in that regard. I would prefer, if he would, even though I don't believe in presidents delegating such things, in the case of this president, I would prefer for him to delegate his communications to others and not to communicate. (laughs) That's my preference, given how he does communicate. And the same thing holds true with regard to this Stephanie Grisham. The few things that I've seen attributed to her have been nothing short of shocking. So I think it is a good thing that she is keeping a low profile comparatively. That is by not having these addresses, even though in point of fact, things still keep coming out and they have been rather explosive as far as I'm concerned. But this saint, Jude's Children's Hospital. What a wonderful, amazing, magnificent legacy for Danny Thomas. No relation. Danny Thomas, his daughter Marlo has carried on there. What an outstanding organization. What an outstanding charity. And Danny, I never heard or saw anything to speak of from him with regard to his life as an entertainer, except on a TV program. But it is a very rare individual in the entertainment industry or in politics or in business or in any walk of life that leaves such an outstanding legacy as Danny Thomas did. But, moving on, speaking of speaking, and of course we have the presidential primaries practically underfoot, underway, as well as caucuses like in Iowa and so forth. All the excitement, you know, just brewing and brimming over practically here uh, during the Ice Age season. It takes a tough breed of people to be so energized and excited about these things as to go up to the Iowa caucuses. But speaking of speaking, John Bolton, John Bolton late of the Trump administration, John Bolton, who served in a couple capacities, including at the UN and then as National Security Advisor and so on and so forth. And as far as I'm concerned, an outstanding, (laughs) outstanding administration figure. But who was removed, as it were, you know, call it a resignation, call it a firing, whatever you want. But this president does not believe in keeping <laughs> the better people around. <laughs> and it's just kind of a, uh, a revolving door situation. Reminiscent of a couple other previous administrations <laughs> where there was just a continual uh, musical chairs of people coming and going. But John Bolton said that... Donald Trump, the president, is engaging in a rhetorical policy concerning the so-called denuclearization of North Korea. And he's engaging in this policy, not just himself, but then through other major administration figures, such as Mike Pompeo and so forth. But all of the hoopla and falder and fiddle about removing nuclear weapons from North Korea, making North Korea the North Korean communist, vicious, brutal, satanic regime of the Kim family, making North Korea a good neighbor, a responsible neighbor, and a, you know... <laughs> a wonderful, responsible member of the international community, and so on and so forth, that it is a rhetorical policy. It is a paper tiger policy, and that in point of fact, nothing good is going to come from it. I happen to absolutely agree with John Bolton about that. But regarding other matters that this president, President Trump, Is personally responsible for among those that immediately come to mind there's the matter of the war being waged by the Islamist regime of Turkey oh I know it supposedly is a secular government a secular regime it's an Islamist regime by a different name the war that they are prosecuting against the Kurds, against the Kurds in Syria and uh, elsewhere, (laughs) Iraq and so forth, and in Syria, but against the Kurds, really intent on destroying the Kurds, annihilating the Kurdish peoples, expunging them from the face of the earth, because of labeling all of the Kurds as being terrorists. No power can stop us, says the outstanding leader of Turkey, President Recep Tayyip Erdogan, who, of course, was emboldened to launch this war by none other than President Donald Trump who somehow or other, despite his infallible wisdom, failed to recognize what would immediately take place when he tacitly encouraged Erdogan to do this. Monstrous evil. And so the president has been furiously engaging in damage control and having his staff engage in damage control ever since but it was directly due to his, call it what you will, recklessness, incompetence, blindness, ignorance, whatever. It doesn't matter whatever term you prefer. Put them all together. Make a vegetable soup out of it. But he, in my view, is criminally responsible for that. And at the time that that happened, at the time that he made... The statements, the tete-a-tete with Erdogan over the phone. I believe it was on a Sunday. And the invasion ensued immediately thereafter. And the president went on, president of the United States of America, Donald Trump, went on to say, oh, this is nothing and so forth. At that time, I said that I believed that <laughs> you could throw everything else out that I couldn't help but feel that this one thing would in fact result in bringing this president down. Not that he would be prosecuted for it, but that he would be judged for it, punished for it. But meanwhile, another one of his Islamist buddies and pals and friends none other than in Saudi Arabia, Prince Mohammed bin Salman, murderer, destroyer extraordinaire, there in Saudi Arabia, heir apparent for the Saudi royal regime, a place where the Donald and his family, I'll say, have been very interested in and active in trying to (laughs) uh, do business, personal business, (laughs) very profitably. And so it has perhaps, perhaps, uh, you know, had some influence on, on how dear old Prince, there is viewed by this administration. But anyway, there was finally this trial, this show trial, this kangaroo trial, which was to try those who were accused of being responsible for the assassination, murder of Jamal Khashoggi, a journalist from Saudi Arabia, working in the United States of America and who was slaughtered at the Saudi consulate in Istanbul when he went to get a marriage license. Blindly, ignorantly, foolishly, naively blundered in and was slaughtered. But... Fascinatingly enough, who would have dreamt that there would be such an outcome? This trial that was held, guess what? Five of those who were engaged in committing the murder have been sentenced to death. But the most senior officials who... (laughs) were implicated, including an advisor to Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, they have been absolved of all wrongdoing. They have been cleared of any responsibility in this terrible affair. They had nothing to do with it. They had no idea what was being done. Just a wonderful whitewashing mechanism, and this is reminiscent of the activities, the cover-ups, and what have you, of some other high and mighty figures. Not just in the Middle East, not just in Central Asia, not just on the European continent, in Russia, and so forth, but in the United States of America. (laughs) even as high and mighty as presidents uh, in previous capacities before the presidency and perchance while president, but uh, where various different underlings, lackeys, who have committed evil on their behalf have then been hung out to dry, have been executed, have been Eliminated, and thereby, all word, all evidence concerning the evil doings have been safely sanitized and awayed with. And so too here, not only has Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman been spared any <laughs> any blame here. But, even his most senior officials, yes. And so he can continue to be good friends with the likes of the president and the international community and what have you. Perchance you heard tell about the goings-on, what took place Speaking of Islamist regimes and the wonderful, wonderful Iranian Islamist regime back in November. Back when there were protests, heavily student protests, but by other citizens and so forth against the regime because of all of the harm being done by the regime to the Iranian people. In particular, it was concerning a 50% increase, spike in fuel prices. (laughs) And the protest, it spread across 100 Iranian cities... But in the middle of November, but the Iranian Revolutionary Guard, so called, they sent their secret police in to stop this disorder, this dissent. And they engaged in a massive crackdown and they blacked out the Internet. For people in Iran, they were blocked, systematically blocked from having any access to the Internet. And this went on for days. And during that time, and now since that has been lifted, things have trickled out here and there and the other place. And so the five days... The five-day blackout period turns out now that the wonderful, progressive, Islamist Iranian regime slaughtered people, as well as imprisoning them, torturing them, so forth, out and out slaughtered many. Oh, but, you know, it's just... Such a wonderful, wonderful neighbor nation in the world, Iran. But you see a pattern, you should see a pattern, with these Islamist regimes. This is how they operate. It is the way that the communist regimes operate. This is the same as the way that the bloody red Chinese communist regime operated Back at Tiananmen Square, same difference. And the interesting thing with regard to that, too, to note is that the communist Chinese regime to this day, manages to keep that under wraps. to this day, you know all of this time later, 20 years later, and lo and behold, it is still it is a thing of the past. You know, it never happened. It was just, you know, just an urban myth, that's all, about the monstrous, bloody, brutal, murderous campaign by the communist regime. But, of course, we have heard about this drone strike that took out this wonderful, Iranian military leader, just such a wonderful fellow. He really should have received a Nobel Prize, and he probably will, yeah, posthumously. But prior to that, prior to that, going back to the end of December, the United States of America was carrying out airstrikes against the Iranian-backed Qatayb Hezbollah militia group in Iraq. Why is that? Well, it's because this Iranian group was heavily active in Iraq. Before coming forward to the takedown slaying of this outstanding Iranian leader, before that, let me just say this, with regard to Iraq, with regard to the invasion of Iraq by the United States of America and an international coalition. Back, back in the day, back when Saddam Hussein was ruling and reigning and engaging in a protracted reign of terror and his two wonderful sons, Ude and Kuse, following in their daddy's footsteps and committing all manner of evils. From the time it was announced that the United States of America was going to attack, on for, I can't remember how many years now, but I broadcast over and over and over and over and over and over again that we should not do that for any number of reasons, but nonetheless, of course, our commander-in-chief charged ahead and did that. It would be one thing for us to take out this evil leader and his evil regime, his family regime, take them down, and then leave it for the others to hash out who's going to lead this nation in the absence of this monstrous despot. That would have been one thing, to say that in some way, shape, or form, he was peripherally, supportively involved in the September 11, 2001 terrorist, Islamist terrorist attacks of the United States of America. It would be one thing to say that. Of course, it was built up to be much, much, much more than that. But, but it would be one thing to have a so-called surgical strike and to have taken him out, he and his wonderful sons. And perchance, perchance to take down his top leadership, but to make it an occupation that would go on for years and years and years was incomprehensibly incompetent. And as bad as things were under dear Saddam Hussein, they became impossibly much worse. And what we succeeded in doing was creating a vacuum, a power vacuum, into which dear neighbor Islamist Iran came. Iran was involved in trying to overthrow Saddam Hussein and had been locked in an incredible war that lasted 10 years and cost a million lives on each side. (laughs) A million Soldiers on each side died. And was still involved and very intimately tied to various Islamist leaders there in Iraq then in Baghdad. But they only had a toehold. That's all. And the vicious, ruthless, totalitarian Islamist regime of Saddam Hussein was able to keep them in check, as was true down in Libya under dear, wonderful Muammar Gaddafi and his terrorist regime, and as was true in Egypt, which was certainly a less monstrous regime for a blink, for for an eyelash there, Uh, but... Of course, all of those things have changed. Then there's the monstrous regime in Syria, Bashar al-Assad. But, lo and behold, taking out the Saddam Hussein regime and occupying that nation and doing all of the wonderful peacemaking initiatives that we have there, as well as in Afghanistan— It actually resulted in some terrible things. Not only monstrous, gruesome maimings, mutilations, destruction of so many U.S. and allied troops, but also in the slaughters of so many Jews and Christians. Before I go any further, let me just say this. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. And whatever is good, true, right in these programs is thanks to God Almighty and His Holy Son, Jesus Christ. Whatever is lacking, erring, deficient, that is on me. That is due to me. Now, again, there were these strikes in Iraq, in and around Baghdad and so forth, against the Iranian-backed Kataib Hezbollah militia group. This is going back to the end of 2019. And at that time, a couple top commanders there of theirs, they claimed there would be a Furious response, and so on and so forth. Yes. Well, shockingly enough, of course, days later, mere days later, the United States of America, the United States military, under the leadership of the commander-in-chief, Donald Trump, engaged in this takedown mission against General Soleimani, who has been praised (laughs) to the heights as being wonderful, Major General Qasim Soleimani, who was in charge of the Quds Force, of the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, and he was in Iraq, he was at Baghdad International Airport, and he was with some others, other major figures there, and he was taken down by a drone strike. Oh, terrible. How horrible. Just this monstrous destroyer was taken out. You know, I mean, it's just we're just not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to kill the top-ranking people. That just isn't done. You know, kill as many of the soldiers as you want. Kill as many civilians as you want. But, you know, don't touch the royals. Don't touch the royalty. Don't touch the top generals and what have you. That just, is just not fair. But instead... Instead of allowing him to continue directing terrorist attacks against the United States of America directly in Iraq, he was taken out. Belatedly, but he was taken out. And in response to that, Iran fired off missiles and so forth. But, not only targeting U.S. forces in Iraq, but it amounted to more than that. As you know, as you've heard, they managed to shoot down a Ukrainian international airliner. Just breathtaking. Breathtaking. Killed 176 people, including a significant number of Canadians. And, uh, but they meant well, you know. I mean, it it was just accidental. They didn't really mean for that to happen. It reminds me so much of the shooting down. of the jets over Ukraine by the, whatever you want to call them, Russian troops and Russian sympathizer, Ukraine militia and so forth. Very similar thing, and which was blamed by them on on the Ukraine forces that they've been trying to destroy, invading Ukraine and trying to destroy all Ukraine defense, blamed it on Ukraine defense, and utterly denied it, having anything to do with it. Just a very, very similar kind of thing. But... Uh, in addition to the aforementioned Soleimani, also a high-ranking Iraqi chief, Abu Mahdi al and some others were killed. Some other <laughs> destroyers-in-arms were killed. And, again, belatedly, Well, Mike Pompeo, Secretary of State, Donald Trump's dutiful secretary, who has been so active in the peace initiatives with Kim Jong-un's vicious, ruthless, murderous, communist North Korean regime, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, he stated that the now late Iranian Major General Qasem Soleimani, that he posed an imminent threat to the United States of America, to Americans in the Middle East, and was in the process of finalizing The planning and precipitating the execution of attacks against American embassies in the region, among other things. Also against American military bases and other facilities, other American facilities throughout the whole region. At the time that the decision was made to take out Soleimani. The president, he stated that he believed that four embassies of the United States of America were going to be attacked, murderously destroyed, and, of course, great loss of American lives. But at the same time, on the same day that American forces took out Soleimani, they also initiated another secret mission. And it was targeting a senior Iranian official who was in Yemen. But this strike targeting Abdul Reza Shalai who essentially is a terrorist financier, but also a key commander of the Kuds Force, the notorious Kuds Force that Soleimani was in charge of. He wasn't killed. No, the operation was a bust. And if it had been a success, it would have been mentioned at the same time as the acknowledgments and so forth were made concerning the takedown of Soleimani. But this Major General Qasem Soleimani, again, head of Iran's notorious Quds Force, who was so active in Iraq against the United States of America and international forces, coalition forces, he is known to have been responsible. He is at least honored, if you will, as being responsible for the monstrous reign of unspeakable suffering and death that has been committed against U.S. and Allied troops in Iraq via. IEDs, but a an especially notorious IED, an EFP, explosively formed penetrator, which is a weapon of Iranian engineering and was used so heavily by the Shiite militias who were backed by, supported by, the Iranians. And just a more monstrous weapon there hasn't been. But, again, he's a wonderful person. And I have really, I, would, I can't say I have no doubt, but I will not be faintly surprised if somehow the Nobel organization manages to posthumously award him with something. I I don't know. Peace Prize, you know, something like that. Something fitting. The Nobel Organization, which yes, (laughs) has ties to any number of terrible, terrible, monstrous leaders down through modern times. Interestingly enough, though, since this targeted execution, if you will, of Soleimani, many, many, many tens of thousands of Iranian people have been shown to pour out on the streets of Iran and engage in Dramatic mourning and what have you for this great man. Even though, back in November, this Iranian regime, of which he was such a powerful, integral part, was monstrously, murderously, brutally attacking people like this in Iran. Amazing. But... uh Perhaps we have made him popular, perhaps. Uh, I tend to think it's more a matter of that this is all cooked up and orchestrated and what have you, such as the photos of him, that the photo placards that people are carrying around and, and that are all, all the same and that are all professionally made and so on and so forth. But anyway, there is that going on, this wonderful outpouring of, grief-stricken Iranians over the loss of this fabulous individual. Now, the President of the United States, he stated that uh, he and the United States of America, the United States military, had targeted 52 Iranian sites for attack in the case that Iran should strike any Americans or American assets. So, he delivered that message that Iran will be hit very fast and very hard. Of course, how did he communicate this message? Of course, by Twitter. Tweeted it. Tweety Bird. So, what is the offshoot of this. What is going to be happening? Well, going back to December all the way up to now, we have call-up of troops, mobilization of troops, deployment of troops, sending thousands of soldiers Back to the Middle East. Fascinating since the president, of course, was in the act of drawing down the troops in diametric contradiction of his key advisors, generals, what have you, drawing them down and down and down. And now, now we're having this knee-jerk response of sending moreover in harm's way. Call me cynical, if you will, you know, or perhaps just skeptical, but I can't help but think that that doesn't speak of continuity. It doesn't speak of strength. It speaks of fear and panic, really. It's a matter of being caused to react by your enemy. And in a way that I happen to think is very unwise, very foolish. But, again, wonderful Iran. Wonderful Islamist regime, Iran. Well, they have committed so much evil for so long against the citizenry as did the Saddam Hussein regime in Iraq. But Iran has been very active for a long, long, long time in other nations, in Syria, notably. Going back to when Ronald Reagan was president, there was the terrorist attack of the Marine barracks that resulted in deaths of more than 200 U.S. Marines and that was committed by Hezbollah, the Iranian Islamist terrorist group. This after that president had put those Marines in harm's way on an outrageous, outrageous mission, which I have referred to before, and that was to see to it that monster, monster Ah, uh, just, just as bad as they come, Yasser Arafat and his 40,000-man terrorist army were allowed to safely evacuate Beirut, where they had engaged in an eight-year, monstrous, hellish reign of terror, not only against Christians, but against Muslims as well, those that wouldn't play along with them. And Ronald Reagan insisted that Israel, which had finally circled them, had them in their sights, that Israel had to let them go. Oh, it was just just a thing of beauty, just wonderful, and as far as I was concerned, should have resulted in the impeachment and conviction of Ronald Reagan. And Ronald Reagan was my favorite president of the past century, but... Uh, speaking of the twentieth century, so I need to go beyond a century. But meanwhile, this outstanding work of Iran to take down this Ukrainian International Airlines flight—just extraordinary—and <laughs> it's just what these do. It is what they do. It resulted in the deaths, the murders of 63 Canadians. And I thought it was interesting, <laughs> to put it gently, uh, coverage that I saw concerning Canada and its Prime Minister Trudeau that this may upset relations between Canada and the United States of America. Oh dear. Oh, that really is a pity, isn't it, that it should upset our relations because Trudeau et al., not to be confused with L. Al Airlines of Israel, but Trudeau and company, let me say that, that, they then are of the opinion that President Trump is to blame for this for this terrorist rocket attack that resulted in the crash of the Ukrainian jetliner, which resulted in the deaths of 176 passengers and crew. Of course, it's not the Islamists that are to blame. Oh, heavens, no. Those who shot it down, no, it's not them to blame. Meanwhile, again, back in the same general area, In the North Arabian Sea, a United States Navy destroyer was (laughs) nearly attacked, rammed by a Russian warship, and it was uh, a game of chicken on the high seas, but engaged unilaterally by the Russian regime of Vladimir Putin. And these things have been going on with the Russian air force in the air, with the Russian navy on the seas, with the communist Chinese air force in the air, with the communist Chinese navy in the seas. These confrontations have been going on, and they have been increasing. So they have been being committed with increasing frequency and danger. And one might say, well, you know, one might opine that these are just, oh, well, this is just empty saber-rattling. But perhaps, just perhaps, it's something more than that. It's stunting to see how the U.S. will react and trying to provoke an attack and to draw them in, that sort of thing. But it has been stated that uh, these ongoing events, the tensions between the United States of America and Iran have affected the politics of the impeachment of President Trump. I've been surprised, I mean, I just haven't been keeping track, I guess, but I have been surprised that I haven't seen anything to the effect of claiming that this, these actions by the United States of America that they are perhaps uh, the tail wagging the dog or something like that. And I could understand it if there would be various ones on the left that would claim that. But it is interesting that they're saying that the politics of the impeachment is affected. Well, the impeachment is political. So the politics of this political process is affected, which is rather interesting. But (laughs) being affected by these things... Speaking of politics, a certain presidential aspirant, an often aspirant, former Vice President Joe Biden, former U.S. Senator Joe Biden, he has stated that he would nominate none other than former President Barack Hussein Obama, former Senator Barack Hussein Obama, that he would nominate him to the United States Supreme Court Court, if Barack Hussein Obama would humble himself to take that position. Not, not his words, mine. But if he would take that position, if he were offered that. I think that is remarkable, don't you? <laughs> but that's who Joe Biden is. And that's what he is. And that's how much of part of the problem he is. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All Is Said and Done. After All Is Said and Done, then we will know, won't we? But Perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. Thank you.